Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner from autosport.com and autosport magazine i'm ariana bravo and this is the autosport podcast an incredibly close qualifying session in monaco comes to an end with charles leclerc taking pole position and also finishing his session in the wall We knew that we were in for a tight battle after the Ferraris topped the times in FP2, and today we had a grouping qualifying session that saw seven different teams making it into Q3. Charles Leclerc took provisional pole after his first run with a 1 minute 10.346, around two tenths ahead of Max Verstappen, with Valtteri Bottas and Carlos Sainz behind. As the drivers attempted to improve their times in the final moments of Q3, Charles made contact with the barrier at the second part of the swimming pool, breaking his front suspension and then ending in the barrier on the exit. The crash brought out the red flags, stopping the session and putting a stop to any potential improvements by his closest rivals, Max and Valtteri. As a result, Charles held on to the pole position and as long as his gearbox does not need replacing, which would incur penalties, he will start P1 tomorrow alongside Max with Valtteri and Sergio Perez lining up on the second row. Lando Norris and Pierre Gasly both put in strong performances in Q3, managing P5 and P6 respectively, with Lando Norris 0.274 seconds off pole. You may notice that I've not mentioned the current championship leader just yet, and that is because it wasn't such a strong day for Lewis Hamilton, who was struggling throughout the session, unable to pull together a quick enough lap to be in for a shot at pole. And instead, after suffering a front-left lockup into Raskas, he was three quarters of a second off of Charles's time, and he will start P7 tomorrow. Sebastian Vettel starts P8, with the second Red Bull of Sergio Perez P9, who ran into traffic on his run, and the top 10 is rounded off with Antonio Giovinazzi, who made it into Q3 for the first time this season. 
We lost Esteban Ocon, Daniel Ricciardo, Lance Stroll, Kimi Raikkonen and George Russell in Q2. An especially disappointing day for Daniel Ricciardo, who of course is a race winner here and absolutely loves driving this track. In Q1, all of the Monaco rookies were knocked out, plus, rather surprisingly, Fernando Alonso, who will start P17 tomorrow behind Yuki Tsunoda. Nicholas Latifi was fortunate enough to have his car repaired in time for qualifying after his FP3 crash, and he'll be starting ahead of Nikita Mazepin. Meanwhile, Mick Schumacher was not so fortunate and did not take part in qualifying at all after a crash in FP3 caused damage that could not be repaired in time, so he will be starting from the back tomorrow. Jonathan Noble, Motorsport.com's F1 editor, joins me to discuss today's sessions. John, how are you? All good, thank you very much. Quite excited by that one. It was a good session. Yeah, Monaco qualifyings, uh, they're good ones to watch. The race might not always deliver, but the qualifying sessions are pretty fun. Now, we knew going into today that we were up potentially for a Ferrari pole, and that is exactly what we got, although things were definitely a bit more dramatic, I think, than we were expecting. But Charles Leclerc taking pole position, home race, it was a great lap for him on that first run in Q3, wasn't it? Yeah, Ferrari's been quick all weekends. Um, I think that it's a track where um, engine power isn't so important, which has obviously been been one of their problems in recent years. And I think I think the Ferrari, a bit like the Red Bull, is a car that switches on its tyres quite well. We've seen Charles have been quick in qualifying all year and their problem is then they, they kind of go out the temperature window in the races and that can lead to high degradation. But on a low grip track surface like Monaco, low energy because there's not many high speed corners, and on a cool day, a, a car that can switch its tyres on is perfect. And and Charles nailed it. Um, you know, nailed it a bit too hard on that second run in Q3 and ended up in the barriers, which is far from ideal because um, the rear of the car took a hefty bang, um, which could be mean a gearbox penalty and a grid penalty. But um, no decision yet. But there's obviously some big concern at Ferrari right now. Let's talk a bit more about that crash. We've seen a fair bit of contact with the barriers and a few crashes, like I mentioned, Mick and Nicholas Latifi as well. But can you just talk us through what actually went wrong for Charles when he was pushing on that that final run that he did? Yeah, it's quite a tricky corner. It's the second sequence of the swimming pool, which is a, a very tight right, um, which then hops onto a, a curb, curb as it goes left. And we see all weekend, you see these slow-mo images of cars you know, millimetres from the barrier there as they perfectly go through but it's quite a, quite a common mistake driver turns in slightly too early um and they're obviously their their eyesight is looking at the exit of the corner they're not looking at the barrier um and you clip your right wheel there as latifi did we've seen max verstappen do it twice there um over the years in monaco and almost identical shunts uh you rip your front suspension off you then effectively lost your stopping power and you hit the curb on the exit and then you're, you're off into the barrier on the right um to hefty damage but it's not that the car damage is, is a problem as such. It's the potential for a gearbox penalty because the rear did did go in. We saw the rear wheel impact side onto the barrier. And normally, um, when you see an accident like that, um, the force that's then pushed through the gearbox is enough to kind of wreck it. Um, so I think it's edging more likely that it will be a gearbox change than won't be. Yeah, and the interviews since, Charles Leclerc and Bonotto seem to be hinting that that could be the case as well. But of course, that crash meant that Max Verstappen and Valtteri Bottas couldn't complete their final runs and it secured the position for Charles. I'm sure he would have preferred to have got it in a slightly different manner, but um, we'll see if he keeps hold of it. 
But from the timings we were seeing, Max Verstappen had just set the fastest time in the first sector. Do you think if he had been able to continue that lap, we might have actually seen Pole ending up with Max? Well, it could have been Max, could have been Valtteri, because Valtteri was pretty confident that he had a lot left on the table after his first run. It's one of those things you can't really tell. And I think Carlos Sainz as well had, um, I think if you add up Carlos's best sector times, it would have been enough to put him very, very close to Charles and if not in front of him with another run. So um, I think it's one of those that you, you can't really tell how it, how it would have panned out. Um, I know that Charles's accident has prompted, you know, wild conspiracy theories about he did it on purpose to secure a pole that he knew that um, the other cars were going quicker and he was he could take it off. But you don't crash like that on purpose. You don't risk a gearbox penalty. Um, you don't have a high-speed incident that can damage the car or anything like that if you're trying to do something. If you were going to be nefarious and do something um, to try to disrupt the session, you'd run down escape roads because a, a double yellow flags is enough to force everyone to abandon laps um, or you crash in a very low speed corner and nudge against the barrier you don't have a don't have that kind of accident so I think any suggestion that he did on purpose can be um, swiftly battered away yeah absolutely I think that would be an incredibly stupid uh, risk to take and a lot of damage to incur those conspiracy theories are completely wild in my opinion (laughs) But as we've mentioned, if the gearbox does require changing and he does incur a penalty as a result, it could be Max Verstappen that starts on pole position tomorrow. Lewis is starting down in P7 after a pretty rough day. So this is actually a a good day for Red Bull in terms of the championship fight between Max and Lewis, isn't it? Yeah, I think they will, um, you know, slight frustration at missing out on pole position. I think you've I've seen some team radio of Verstappen when he found out yeah. about the red flag, um, some radio messages and some quite colourful language um, once he once he discovered that the red flags are out. So clear frustration, but there is still that chance of the pole position if Leclerc does have the gearbox penalty. And I think significantly is the gap between Max and Lewis. I know drivers talk about we'll take it one race at a time and um, I'm only focusing on this event, but there is a championship at stake. There was frustration from Red Bull after Imola that Lewis had kind of lucked in with a red flag that allowed him to recover a lost lap and came through to finish second. So got points on a day he potentially wouldn't have got many at all. Um, So I think Red Bull will be quite happy that Lewis is stuck in the pack at a race where you can't really overtake. There aren't that many strategy options. You can't really do anything particularly clever. Um, So I think Lewis's only hope to come through dramatically is you know, crazy incidents and crashes ahead of him that knocks out cars or one of those, you know, fortunate safety car timings or, you know, trying to do something a bit extreme with the strategy. Because I think on a a standard race, uh, where you start here is normally where you finish. Yeah. And we've seen Lewis has said since that he's not expecting that he'll be able to fight his way up the grid. And as you've just touched on, where you start does tend to be where you finish up at this circuit. But let's talk about those Mercedes cars. They weren't looking quite as comfortable and confident as we're used to. We saw that things seemed to come together a bit more for Valtteri in qualifying, but that wasn't really the case for Lewis. So what is it that we're seeing that the Mercedes cars are struggling with that the Red Bulls and the Ferraris were not also having to deal with? Uh, I think it's mainly down to kind of these tyre characteristics and how the how the cars bring their tyres up to temperature. I mean, we, we've seen a trait in the first four races that the Mercedes isn't able to switch its tyres on as well as the Red Bull in qualifying. 
Um, we've seen the Red Bull is quicker in qualifying, but then that kind of, kind of gentleness and smoothness trait that hurts them on Saturday is actually a benefit on Sunday because it gives them better tyre degradation, better management. Um, so it's actually a better thing for the race. So I think here you've you've got that kind of that characteristics magnified by a low energy circuit on a day where the temperatures dropped quite a lot from Thursday. Add in a bit, Lewis said that um, you know they felt quite comfortable with the car on Thursday and felt they're in the hunt for a top three. They made some setup changes which they felt would be improved the car for P3, but it went completely the wrong direction. It was an absolute disaster. He said so. He tried to go back to something for qualifying, but that didn't especially work. You know, Lewis. I spoke to Lewis 20 minutes ago, and he also gave this kind of cryptic suggestion that Mercedes hadn't done things that should have been done here. We need some serious talks behind closed doors to learn some key lessons. So there's obviously, I think, an element of frustration that things hadn't gone the right way with the setup this weekend. Probably feels that he could have been up there in P3, knowing full well that Valtteri has done that and could even have been on pole position. So I think think it was a tyre tire trait um, that we've seen in previous races explains why the Mercedes was behind two cars here this weekend that can switch their tyres on quite easily. Very cryptic. I uh, wish I could be in those talks behind closed doors as well, but we'll see if anything else comes out from those conversations. Let's talk about the performance of Lando and Pierre because they put in solid laps in Q3, ending up P5 and P6 and ahead of Lewis. I've seen in the interview since that they're both pretty pleased with their performance today. And, you know, rightly so. They did a good job today, didn't they? Yeah, two good two good performances because I think the big the bigger frustration for Lewis is that on he's had a long time in Formula 1 where on a bad day he could still qualify P3 P4 yeah because they had quite a big buffer to to the other car so today i mean Lando for a weekend where McLaren weren't expecting to be very competitive their car hasn't been particularly strong in low speed corners um you know great performance uh and another performance that's left Daniel Ricciardo a bit baffled about why there's such a pace differential between him and Lando so you know another difficult day for for Daniel um, but great performance from Lando and I think it's good to see Pierre also you know trying to get a bit of momentum try and kick start the campaign because we've seen flashes of speed from Pierre all season being quick in qualifying but weekends just haven't really properly clicked um, just you know frustration or incidents or um, problems have always come up and put him and Alpha Terry on the back foot so um, potentially, you know, a chance for a decent points haul tomorrow. Hopefully so. Now, on the other side of the garage, Yuki Tsunoda was eliminated in Q1 by just two hundredths of a second, but he is a Monaco rookie. And of course, he lost a lot of practice time after his crash in FP2. So I'm sure that they were sort of managing expectations there. But as you just touched on, Daniel Ricciardo failing to make it out of Q2, that is disappointing because this is a track that he loves. He's good at from from past experience and he was more than half a second slower than Lando in Q2 what is it that happened today is it him still just unable to adjust to the car or were there other mistakes that we saw from him in the session yeah I think he's he's at a bit of a loss to to explain he says he's, he's done laps this weekend where the cars felt quick he felt the lap was was a good performance and he'd come across the line and he'd be more than a second adrift of Lando um, so I think it seems to be, you know, a little bit lost with this with this car. Uh, I'm not sure if there's, a, you know, different characteristic to get the speed out of it, or different way of managing the the engine or the tyres. But something's not clicking there. But I think the problems are so seem to be so extreme that actually it may help them 
fast track an answer. So if, if he was consistently two or three temps behind Lando, then it'd be much harder to find where the differences are. But I think when the gaps are so extreme, um, when it's, and Daniel said this, he says, you know, if, with all due respect to Lando, not wishing to criticise him, but Lando should not be a second a lap quicker around Monaco than he is. Um, that's That shouldn't be happening. So there must be something in the, in the system, in the setup, in the car, um, in how he's driving the car that, you know, will kind of get exposed now by this big deficit and hopefully it'll give him a, a basis to move forwards. But I think Daniel has kind of lacked confidence in corner entry all season, um, you know, either locking up or not having the, the turning characteristic that he wants. And it's an area where he's gained a lot of performance in the past by, you know, last of the late breakers, carrying a lot of speed into the, the corner entry. And I think if you're lacking lacking that confidence on a track like Monaco, I think it's going to show up a lot more than it would at other tracks with higher speed corners that aren't so kind of reliant on that, 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 that kind of braking and corner entry. Absolutely. And he will be lining up P12 tomorrow. We will see if he can gain any positions from that, but don't think anyone is holding their breath in terms of overtaking possibilities tomorrow. <laughs> but going back to the top 10, Sebastian Vettel qualified P8, out-qualifying teammate Lance Stroll, who qualified P13, and Seb will start ahead of Sergio Perez. Now, Sergio was putting in some good times in the practice sessions on Thursday, but today it just wasn't really coming together. We saw he hit traffic in his run, but just not really up at, at the top of the pack where we would have liked to have seen him given the times that Max was putting in, especially. That lap where he hit the traffic, I think he hit three, was it three or four cars yeah. in the final kind of complex? Um, I think just 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 puts you off and um, obviously cost him time because the lap looked fairly competitive up to that point. And even if they hadn't, you know, had, he hadn't been forced to break, it's still a distraction. You're still pondering are they going to move out my way are they going to get in my way am I going to have to respond and that that can lose you enough and you just lose that momentum at the end of the lap so I think it was just a day was slightly unlucky with the with the traffic um and obviously the the second runs in Q3 didn't really count because of the Leclerc red flag so I think he'll be disappointed again but I think again it's this the same problem that we see Fernando suffering from we see Daniel suffering from Seb seems to be making some gains that just adjusting to a new car, a new way of driving, um, working out where the where you get the pace from the car it still needs to come for Sergio. Yeah, more of that new teammate struggle that we're seeing up and down the grid. But notably good day for Antonio Giovinazzi, who managed to get his Alfa Romeo into Q3, finishing P10 and out-qualifying Kimi for the fourth time this season. It was an impressive day for him today, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, he's had quite a strong season, actually. For someone who's been, you know, quite anonymous at times in Formula One, um, hasn't really had any many kind of standout star performances in recent seasons. But he's had a, you know, definitely made a step this year. Um, lifting up the Alpha, Alpha's getting a little bit more competitive. Um, and I think it's, you know, great for him to get through to Q3. Um, you know, potentially just just build a build a bit of momentum, but I think it's just good for his confidence. Um, hopefully, he'll kind of use this and push on forwards, and it will allow him to unlock even more speed as the, as the season goes on. Yeah, and a strong performance given his teammate is such an established driver. 
But another established driver on the grid who didn't perform very well today is Fernando Alonso, who surprisingly actually was out in Q1, um, out with the rookies, the Monaco rookies. What went wrong for him today? Esteban Ocon just missed out on Q3 qualifying P11. So quite difficult. I know that Fernando said the team is still sort of looking for answers, but we would expect a bit more considering his experience as a driver and at this track. Yeah, I think think he's it's a combination of a, a weekend where Alpine's been a bit on the back foot. I think they're actually quite confident coming here because the car looked good in sector three in um, Barcelona, which is normally gives you a, a trend indicator for Monaco, but it's just not not happened really. So it may be related to track surface or maybe related to um, the kind of the corner characteristics. There'd be some reason as to why why they've been slightly on the back foot this weekend. Um, and I think think what happens is the car doesn't perform as well, which means the drivers don't have the confidence they need in the car to switch the tyres on and, and get there. And then this kind of all tumbles on and tumbles on and then you just fail to deliver the lap you need to do in Q1 when, um, you know, very little time to get those laps done. Very, very competitive field. Um, I think Fernando's just, I think if things are going the right way, we, we see glimpses of, you know, the old strong Fernando, but equally when things aren't getting a kind of bit of momentum behind them, it does seem to be struggling to extract those final one or two temps that he needs just to lift himself up a bit. Yeah, a tricky one. And as we've said countless times, the pack is so close this year that every little bit really does make a difference. Fernando was ahead only of Nicholas Atifi and Nikki Tamazepin, who qualified P8 and P19, respectively. And for those who missed FP3, we should also just discuss what happened with Mick Schumacher, as he didn't take part in the session at all, because he had a big crash in FP3, and they just couldn't get him back on track in time for the qualifying session, could they? Yeah, he's had quite a difficult weekend in Monaco. Um, It's been the first weekend where teammate Nikita Mazepin has been um, kind of had the edge over him um, so the Haas looked I mean the Haas car itself has looked a bit more competitive overall but Mick had a, a problem in FP uh, I think FP2 just had a moment at the top of the hill um, to brush the barriers but nothing nothing that major uh, damage but this morning um, just made a mistake at Casino Square back end got out swiped the barriers um, kind of ripped the left rear off, ripped the rear wing off. Um, and that's plenty of damage that just could not be repaired in the two hours before qualifying. So he'll start at the back um, tomorrow. So it'll be, I think it'll be a long, tough afternoon starting at the back of the grid in a, in a Haas at Monaco. Um, but as Gunter Steiner, team boss, has said all along that this is a learning year for the drivers. Um, they're not expecting great shakes from them. So um, I'm sure he'll come away from a, disappointing weekend with at least plenty of lessons learned yeah absolutely learning curve if nothing else now we still haven't had any news on whether Charles Leclerc will be getting a penalty for a potential gearbox change of course if he does then that will completely change things and change up what we've just discussed but we will bring you any updates on that on the autosport social platform so make sure you're following all of them And that is all from us today. We'll be back after the race tomorrow to discuss what goes down on track. But on Autosport Plus right now, you can read the following articles. Kevin Turner writes about why F1 must get rid of the point for fastest lap. And we all know that F1 wants to make its mark over in the States. And you can read David Marsh's article on what it will take to get American drivers into Formula One. 
And for all you MotoGP fans, you can also catch an article discussing all the signs that point to Royce's MotoGP retirement. New subscribers who sign up today can use the promo code PODCAST during checkout to get 50% off their first payment. Go to autosport.com forward slash plus and click sign in at the top of the page. Then use the promo code PODCAST for that 50% discount. Thank you all for listening again. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Most footwear brands overlook natural materials for cheaper synthetic alternatives. But when it comes to quality, Mother Nature knows best. Allbirds took that idea and ran to create their iconic wool runners. Wool runners are made with premium supernatural materials that are both comfy and durable. So you can run to the ends of the earth or just to the store. Plus, they're machine washable to stay looking as fresh as the first day you got them. The Wool Runner Upper is made with superfine ZQ certified merino wool that's breathable, temperature regulating, and moisture wicking. And the sugarcane based sweet foam midsoles cushion your feet and put a little bounce in every stride with all day support. Allbirds are constantly innovating to increase the performance and longevity of their materials. Even on your toughest outings, you'll wear out before your shoes do. This year, take a big step forward for Mother Nature with the Allbirds Wool Runner. Discover your perfect pair today at allbirds.com. That's A L L B I R D S.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.